from KMOX Sports. The bases are loaded. This is the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing and a long one to left. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. He hits one deep to left field. You That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. It's a slammer. With special reports from Cardinals Camp and the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Guess what, gang? It's the last sports open line before the start of baseball season. Well, like technically sports open line. Like we'll be here tomorrow night talking baseball. Uh, It'll be the final countdown to opening day show, but that's not quite the same thing as sports open line. Uh, So we got a great loaded show for you, by the way, tomorrow night. Um, uh, Mike Claymore had a one-on-one with Albert Pujols. That's going to be kind of our feature right out of the gate. Uh, We're going to hear from Rick Horton, Rick Hummel, um, Katie Wu is going to be a part of it. Uh, Daniel Guerrero from the Post-Dispatch, who's the new uh, addition to the Post-Dispatch baseball coverage team. He'll be covering the minor leagues. So we got a loaded show tomorrow night. And then obviously we are going to be doing it all day on opening day here on KMOX. We've got kegs and eggs going on downtown. And you should check it out, by the way, at KMOX.com. Uh, it's a great way to kind of get yourself amped up. You know, you got beer. Um, I think we even have bourbon. We're going to have barbecue with, with uh, um, why am I sugar fire, which I love. Mm, that's my go-to because it's not too far from one of one of them is not too far from where I live. So you, you've got great things. Going. you got music. you got to have all of us down there. Uh, the lead up to the game, to the pregame is going to be me and Aki and Dave Glover. So the three of us are going to be talking ball for, well, I'm going to do that for two hours. Those guys will do it for like two and a half hours. I got to leave at one because I got to get ready for the pregame show that starts at 1:40 on Thursday. So it's looking good, man. I, I checked, you know, everybody seems to be worried about the weather. Keep them like, well, I wonder what's going to happen if it rains. Man, I'm looking at the forecast. I don't see anything. I saw it on the TV. I saw it on the weather app. I don't see any forecast for like any kind of real rain on Thursday. And now that I have said that it will rain. No, it won't. So looking forward to it. It's not going to be the warmest of days. I think it's going to be around 50. But 50's okay. What's wrong with 50? Just wear a jacket. So come on out and join us for kegs and eggs. It's fantastic. Um, we got a tent. So you, even if it does rain, you're not going to get rained on. We got our own bathrooms, so you don't have to worry about any of that. Food, booze, bathrooms, um, all the baseball talk you can handle leading up to the game. Bang. And by the way, like did I mention right, right across the street from Ballpark Village? Yeah, right near where the uh, the old Mike Shannons used to be. So feel free to join us. We'll have a great time with that on opening day. And, of course, the game will be at 315. Looking forward to it. Now, today is all about getting you ready. The entire two hours are going to be about getting ready for opening day. Today's predictions day on the show, by the way. It's mandatory. It's the law that I have to do predictions for the season before the season starts. And this is the last opportunity for me to do that. And I'm probably working in a little bit on the countdown tomorrow night. But, I mean, we're so loaded up with guests. I don't know that I'm going to have time for any of that. I am going to have time for it today. So we'll take a look at the NL Central, the National League as a whole, teams that I think are going to come down to earth a little bit from last year, teams that I think are going to rise from last year. Um, I want to do real detailed stuff on the Cardinals, too. So going to mix all of that up. Next hour, we'll let you hear. I want you to hear a little bit of what Ali Marmol had to say with Tom Ackerman on Sunday. Just do a little bit of that and a little bit of John Moselock in case you missed those on Sunday morning. 
Uh, just some of the highlights, some of the key points, if you will. And that's it, man. Two hours of baseball talk for you here tonight on your home for the Cardinals, KMOX. So let's start with just the big picture on the Cardinals. So here's kind of the order for the for the hour. Right now, just kind of setting the scene. This is going to be your scene setter. And then next segment, I want to dive in on the pitching staff and the one after that on the offense. And then I want to talk about the central division and where the Cardinals fit in the grand scheme of things. And essentially how they compare to the Milwaukee Brewers, because that's what it's going to be all about this year. So that's kind of this. And then later on, I'm going to talk about the rest of the league. Um, I, I will make predictions on the American League, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time analyzing it because I know you don't, you don't care as much about that. But we'll just get that to cover the bases. Stupid microphone falling again. And uh, as I mentioned, next hour, you'll also hear a little bit from uh, the manager and the president of baseball operations. So big picture here. This is, I think, an important year for the Cardinals. Not that there's any deadline, right? I mean, we all know that it, for for Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols, it's the last ride. It might be for Adam Wainwright, too. We know that that's going to signal a bit of a transition, but let's be honest. This team is is very well positioned for 2023 and beyond, too, right? I mean, if you take the money that's being paid, let's say those three all retire, the money being paid to Yadi and Wayno and Albert Pujols could be spent very well. And not and it wouldn't be very difficult to replace somebody or whatever. And you've got some really good prospects that are on the verge of making it. Like Norlin, Nolan Gorman is going to be a Cardinal in the major leagues for sure in 2023. I have very little doubt saying that. I, I think he'll be up at some point this year. But by next season, by 2023, he's, he's going to be a regular part of this lineup. And that's a new 30 homer bat. By next year, by 2023, Matthew Libertor is going to be in the rotation. He's one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. Barring injury, he's going to be a guy that you can count on in some role in the rotation next year. Maybe it's, you know, as the fourth starter. Maybe it's as the second starter. It's going to depend. Young guys might, you know, they don't all start the same way. They don't all come out guns a-blazing. Sometimes they're just okay and they get better. Sometimes they're amazing right out of the gate. You just don't know. But this team is positioned really well for the future. And, and even beyond that, you know, with a guy like Jordan Walker, who's really rising up the prospect rankings. I mean, is by 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 this time next year, there's a chance that Jordan Walker could be a top 10 prospect in all of baseball. So you've got a good young group that's going to start to augment what you already have. You've got control over your current lineup, right? Harrison Bader just got his two-year deal. You've got team control on Tyler O'Neill. Team control for a long time on Dylan Carlson. Paul Goldschmidt is locked up. Nolan Arenado is locked up. You've got control of Paul DeYoung. If he comes back to form, I mean, you've got control over him for multiple years. You have control over Tommy Edmond. You've got team control over Nolan Gorman. For I mean, like, you you have every, your lineup, other than Molina, your lineup is really under your control for the next several years. And you've got not only Andrew Kisner around, but another top prospect in Yvonne Herrera that gives you some really good options behind the plate from within. You look at the pitching side, you've still got you know, more than this year of control on Jack Flaherty. You still have Dakota Hudson under control. Miles Michaelis is under contract. Uh, obviously, Libertor hasn't even started. So, I mean, you've got a lot of – in the bullpen, it sounds like, and, and from reading my buddy Derek Gould's work, sounds like they're talking multi-year deal on Giovanni Gallegos as an example. So, lot, multi, multiple years of control there. Multiple years of control on Jordan Hicks, Hennessy's Cabrera. So they're in a really good spot this year. So when I say this is a big year for them, I don't mean it's 
like do or die by any means. But what I mean is you won 90 games last year with some things going really wrong. With the, I mean, look, you can describe it any way you want. The team can describe it any way they want. Last year, outside of Adam Wainwright, the rotation collapsed. It collapsed. It was awful for three months. It didn't start turning around until June, and it really didn't complete its turnaround until late July. Heck, even June was bad. I don't even know what I'm talking about. It wasn't July. It wasn't until July that they started to show any signs at all of, of stabilizing. So even with the rotation, and I'm fully comfortable saying that last year's rotation collapsed because it did. Some of it was injuries. Not going to question that. But some of it was also just bad performance from the people that you had lined up for depth. If not for the bullpen being really good for a lot of the year, if not for the defense being amazing, if not for the offense being better than it got credit for being, there's no way they're a 90-win team. There's no way they have a 17-game winning streak. This team should be markedly better than the 90-win team last year. And by that, I mean at least three or four wins better, if not five wins better, which is why I think it's interesting to talk about them and the Brewers at the top. I think the Cardinals can get to 95 wins this year, and I don't think it's that crazy. And that's what I'm going to spend basically the next half hour outlining. How do we get this team to 95 wins? What needs to happen? We're going to start with the pitching side of that next up on KMOX. Tuesday night on Sports Open Line. We've got the countdown to opening day show tomorrow night. We're doing our own little somewhat of a countdown to opening day tonight, talking about how this team can make a push. Now, I'll make my prediction for the Central Division later this hour. Um, and, and and I'll give you a hint. There are only two teams we need to worry about. Uh, the only team that was even close to hanging with those two took a big step back, in my opinion. And I don't think the Cubs took any real big step forward. Uh, I don't think they're maybe, I, I don't know if they're going to be a 71-win team, but they're not going to be much more than that, I don't think. So we're going to talk about the division, what it could mean for the Brewers and the Cardinals, and and also what I think is clearly an advantage for the Brewers and the Cardinals. And that is the weakness of the rest of the division. Because the East is much deeper than the Central, and the West is much deeper than the Central. So I think the Cardinals and Brewers both have a great shot. at the, at, at, at I shouldn't say great shot. I think they're both damn near locks to make the postseason. Talk more about that later. Let's talk pitching because that's what I just asked you about. What 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 has to go right with the Cardinals pitching staff this year to take this team from 90 wins to 95 wins? Because 95 is the number I think this team is capable of. Sure, you could get a little more. Sure, you could be a little less and still have a good year. I think this team is if if last year's group with the flaws, the injuries, and everything that went wrong, if they could pull off 90, there's no reason this team can't pull off 95. When you look at what you got out of the rotation last year, there it's impossible for me to consider, and I know I'm going to be eating these words in a month, right? It's impossible for me to consider that the rotation this year is going to be is going to be worse than last year's. I just don't see how that's possible. I'm sure there's a scenario, you know, everybody gets hurt, whatever, but I mean, Adam Wainwright threw twice as many innings as any other starter on the team. 
Kwon Young Kim was the only other starter that even got past 82 innings. And he missed a third of the season and was also a little bit inconsistent. And Carlos Martinez uh, was not inconsistent. Carlos Martinez was awful. I mean, yeah, 623 ERA, and he earned every single bit of that. And he missed half the year on top of that. Jack Flaherty pitched well when he was there, missed half the year. John Gant was a major problem in there. You know, he got out of some jams, and his ERA didn't look that bad. But we all know from watching it, it, was, it wasn't good. You know, Oviedo struggled. ERA was right around five, a lot of walks. Same thing uh, in, in the opportunities that Daniel Ponce de Leon got. So I think it's pretty clear that, that the rotation last year was the big problem and that that was the downfall of the team. So how, because I don't think the bullpen this year is going to be worse than it was last year. I think the bullpen should be pretty good. Now, you don't have Alex Reyes, and that's a problem. Hopefully, you will have him in June. And if you get him for the final part of the year and he's more of the first half guy than the second half guy, that could be a major asset. But even not counting for that right now, I, you, you know what you have in Gallegos, you know what you have in Cabrera, you know what you have in McFarland. They're not all stars. But you know what you have in those guys. Nick Whitgren is a known commodity, guys. He's not a star, but he's a known commodity. He's a solid relief pitcher in the major leagues, and he's been that way for a while. And there's no reason to think that he's not going to be able to do that job, particularly against right-handers this year. I think the bullpen's depth, the options that they have uh, with guys like Verhagen and Brooks who can start or relieve. You know, let's say Flaherty can get back at some point. You know, I think a guy like like Verhagen, who who seems to, by the way, who seems to have won the fifth spot in the rotation. They were talking about, you know, he and Woodford pitching tomorrow in a B game or something. Well, Woodford pitched today in relief and threw one inning. So maybe there's a hint there that Verhagen's going to be the fifth starter to begin the year. I don't think he's going to stay there. I mean, obviously, Flaherty's going to come back at some point, you hope. Fingers crossed, knock on wood. But even even minus a return from Flaherty in a timely manner. Miles Michaelis has looked really good this spring, and he's healthy. He finished last year's last year healthy. He pitched okay last year when he was back, and he's looked good this spring. Just having him, if he if he just makes twenty five starts, not even thirty two. If he just makes twenty five starts, if if Dakota Hudson just makes twenty five starts, those two guys in there. Damn near every time through the rotation, along with Wainwright and along with Ty- with Stephen Matz, and again, hopefully with with two thirds of a season of Jack Flaherty. But those two guys being there stabilize this more than you can really know. Even if they're just okay, even if they're just solid, because we saw what happened last year when Wade LeBlanc and Jay Happ and John Lester were just solid. None of them were spectacular. None of them came in and, and blew the doors off anybody. They were just solid. And I think that's the bare minimum that I expect from Hudson and Michaelis. If you get 25 starts from each of them, to me, you're a 94, 93 to 95 win team, All always assuming reasonable health. You know you're going to have injuries. They already have them. <laughs> we're not going We're not going to go injury-free. But assuming that your injuries are at a reasonable level, I think those two guys being there alongside Adam Wainwright, if you can keep them out there, 
And, you know, their histories don't really show injury proneness. They just both had an injury that had to be dealt with. Now, that's a big if, but it's the same if. Look, look, guys, if any of the starters, the top three starters for the Brewers go down, the Brewers are in trouble. There, there's maybe one team in the National League that could lose a key starting pitcher and not really worry about it, and that's that's going to be the Dodgers because they have all the money in the world and they've got starting pitchers in their bullpen and they've got top prospects and they can go trade for anybody they want. Like That's the team that probably has the least concern about health because they can replace whatever they want. And pretty much everybody else is in the, is, is in the Cardinals' boat that if things don't go right with the rotation – Things can go sideways. So to me, this is not a Cardinal thing. I think that's true of Milwaukee. It's true of the Mets, and they already don't have Jacob deGrom for a while. It's true of Philadelphia. Good God, the defense there is horrific. And if anything were to go wrong with Aaron Nola or Zach Wheeler, good luck. Because the one thing the Cardinals did this year, and I know it irritates fans, and and I understand the irritation, to be honest with you. But they've already made the low-key moves this year that they had to make in season last year. Last year, you had to go out and get Wade LeBlanc. You had to go out and get J.A. Happ. You had to go out and get John Lester. And it took forever, way too long for those guys to be brought in. Well, you're, you have those guys in-house now. Your depth guys are guys like Aaron Brooks and Drew Verhagen. They're younger versions of those guys. They don't have the track records of those guys, but they have some things in common. They're veterans. They throw strikes. And the big the big difference is they're here. So I, th- I think you're already better equipped than you were a year ago because the guys you were counting on a year ago were Ponce de Leon and Gant and Oviedo. And again, nothing against Oviedo. I think he's a tremendous talent, man. I mean, you can see it when you watch him throw. Big fastball, slider's nasty, but he's got to throw the ball where he wants to, man. I mean, he's got to be better better command with the fastball. He's got to have more competitive pitches with the breaking ball. But he he's not going to be a he's not going to be counted on this year and thrown in, thrown to the wolves like he was last year when they just had no they didn't have much choice. I mean, he had to pitch. Somebody had to. So they've addressed the depth. I get the complaint that they should have gone bigger than Steven Matz. All right, that's cool, but they didn't, so we're counting on what they have now. And what they have now is better than what they had at any point last year, knowing, as we do right now, like knowing at the beginning of the year that Hudson wasn't going to be back till September and knowing that Miles Michaelis was out indefinitely. We knew that at this time last year. And you're better off than that. So I don't know that it's fair to anticipate Adam Wainwright going 17 and 7 with a 305 ERA again. But I'm done second guessing that guy. I think we all did that a few years ago and he's proven that he's fine and he could still make pitches. And if you get even half a season out of Flaherty like this year as long as it's the second half. And like let's not have the whole return in May, pitch in June and then go on the injured list again. I don't want to have that. But if Flaherty can get healthy and pitch through the shoulder thing that that they're saying doesn't need surgery at this point, well, now the rotation is good enough for you to win 95 or more. So I don't think it's crazy to say 
that the starting staff being significantly better than it ended up being last year is a pretty reasonable expectation. It's not a lock. It's just a reasonable expectation. Now we're going to flip over to the offense. And again, a lot of it's going to come down to health, but I think they have more room for error this year for a couple of reasons. I'll explain those next on KMOX. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yannier Molina. With special reports from Cardinals Camp and the D.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center, this is Sports Open Line on KMOX. All right, let's get to the offense. You know, I talked about this a week ago. You know, that last year's offense wasn't nearly as bad as as we all kind of thought it was. You know, the first part of the year, not, that's not to say that there weren't times that the offense really struggled. Of course it did. Um, but it really was mostly when the lineup wasn't whole. When, you know, Bader and O'Neal were out of the lineup for a good stretch, we had guys playing in the outfield that weren't very productive. And certainly that dragged the offensive performance down. But I mentioned this last week. If you look back at 2021 and you take a park-adjusted number like OPS Plus that takes into account where you play, right? Who you're playing, you know, who you're playing against, all that. But primarily, it it balances it out. So there's in in OPS Plus, there's no advantage to playing at Coors Field compared to Bush Stadium. There's no disadvantage to playing at Bush Stadium compared to Coors Field. It neutralizes the ballpark effect on the offense. So with a with a ballpark neutralized number, the Cardinals were the 11th best, tied for the 11th best offense in baseball. Tied with the San Diego Padres, just behind Oakland, Minnesota, and the Dodgers, just ahead of the Yankees. Because we do sometimes forget how your environment impacts your numbers. Doesn't and by the way, the same factors that 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 hurt the Cardinals offense help the pitching staff. So it's important when you're gonna when you're gonna view an offense, it's important to talk about like the real details as opposed to just the old timey numbers. The old time numbers matter, but everything is relative. When you play 81 games in a pitcher friendly park, your batting average on base, slugging, your home runs, all that, it's all going to be lower than if you play in a place like Milwaukee, which is a super hitter friendly ballpark. To, to further the the point of what I'm trying to make here, just look at Colton Wong as an example, right? You know, Colton Wong, a lot of people were arguing, was having a breakout year last year with Milwaukee, right? That was the argument. Right? He, had, he had career high in home runs, hit 272, which is better than his career batting average, 262, had a 783 OPS. The reality is, though, that he was just as good a player for the Cardinals in 2019. Using the ballpark-adjusted number, that OPS plus, both seasons were 108. But some of the counting numbers looked better, right? Wong had more doubles, had more home runs, had a higher batting average. Well, actually, that was better in, in 2019 in St. Louis than it was in Milwaukee. But a much higher slugging percentage, obviously. So these these are things you have to consider. So the, the Cardinals' offense wasn't as challenged last year as you would think based on the conversations we had. So asking the question that we did before, how can this offense 
be better than last year's offense. And I think it's not too difficult. I mean, yeah, okay, relatively injury-free would be good. But I do think your depth options this year are better than they were a year ago. I mean, I'm not really fond of picking on a guy like Matt Carpenter because I think the things that went wrong in his career as a hitter late were not his fault. I think it was age and injuries that caught up with him. And don't get me wrong, you know, he had some tendencies that that got to be problems, cheating to pull and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is I think all of that was related to the age and injury. I think it's all tied together. And you're, you got, you've got better than him on the bench right now. Essentially, your trade-off for Matt Carpenter is Corey Dickerson, a younger, more athletic player who's had more recent success. You know, you have Lars Newtbar with a little bit more experience. I think Lars obviously is a, is a gifted player, very good for a bench player. I don't know that I'd want him playing every day, but you're not in a position where he's going to play every day. You know, we know a lot more about Edmundo Sosa. In fact, we found out late last year, you can win a lot of games with him playing shortstop. He's a good player. This time last year, we didn't know that that's what he was. And not to mention the fact that, you know, you know your guys, Goldie and Arenado. You know now that you had a breakout year from Tyler O'Neill, so you know what he's capable of. I think Dylan Carlson will have another good, will show improvement this year. I wouldn't go as far as to say he's going to take a step to another level, but I think every number across the board for him should be better this year. And they also have better options waiting in the minor leagues. You have Juan Yepes waiting. You've got Nolan Gorman waiting there in the wings. Um, you know, Alec Burleson could be a factor later in the year. I'll tell you who will be a factor at some point this year is Brandon Donovan. A guy that can play every position on the infield. He can play the outfield. And he's a good left-handed bat with a little pop and a lot of on-base skill. So barring injuries to their big dudes, you know, so O'Neal, Arenado, and Goldie, I think you're in good shape. And I don't need to squint very, very hard to see this team win 95 games. I mean, again, you won 90 last year with everything that went wrong. No, guys, they did not go out and get the big DH that everybody wants. You know, like, I want that guy, too. You know, Nelson Cruz would have been wonderful. Kyle Schwarber would have been better. But again, you're you're weighing the cost, and not just the cost now, but also the, the, the moves that it could prevent you from making both in season and next year. And I know you're all like, not all of you, but a lot of you are like, well, then just spend more. Okay, but teams don't do that. You can say that, but there's like three teams that operate that way. It's the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Mets. They're basically the only ones that operate that way. All teams have a budget. They all follow that budget and will occasionally make exceptions. And hopefully the Cardinals will make exceptions because this is my one hope for the year. I really like this team. They're going to be a great – they'll, they'll be – the best defensive team in baseball, barring something weird happening. The the starting pitching will be better than it was last year. The bullpen will be the same as it was last year, in my opinion. The lineup will be about what it was last year with some improvement. I think it'll be a little bit better. The numbers will be better because you got a DH instead of a pitcher, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about relative to the league. 
you'll be similar to where you were last year, in my opinion. One thing I would like to still see is the greater sense of urgency in season if you have a need. If you get to June, you get to July, and you have a need, a little bit greater sense of urgency. Now, this year, maybe that means turning internally first to, you know, Yepes or Gorman or Liberator or something like that. But a little bit greater sense of urgency would, I think, be the final piece, if it's needed, and it may not be. So how's the Central going to finish? Well, we know the Pirates are going to be last. (laughs) Aside from that, what will the division look like this year? I'll give you my prediction next up on KMOX. All right, let's do a little bit on the Central Division. I'm going to make my predictions here uh, for the National League Central. We'll do the whole thing for the National League starting next hour. We'll get through the East and the West, and that'll be done a little bit more quickly. It won't be with as much explanation. Um, And then I want to talk a bit about the teams that are going to make the playoffs this year. We obviously have more of them. Six teams making the playoffs this year, three wild card spots. And I'll get into that in the beginning of next hour as well. We'll also hear a little from Ali Marmol and a little from John Moselock in the 7 o'clock hour here on Sports Open Live. All right, so the division to me is simple. There are three layers to the National League Central. There's the bottom layer, which is the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're awful. It, it, it's it's inarguable that they are that they are in this essentially a triple A AAA team. And I'm I am not I'm I'm going to say this the right way. I know that I'm being mean about it, but I'm not doing it just to be mean. I'm not trying to be mean. It is just an ab- it's an it's an abject reality. They're essentially a triple A team. The only players in their lineup that would be starting on opening day anywhere else are Key Brian Hayes and Brian Reynolds. Nobody else would be starting anywhere else in the major leagues on opening day, except on another terrible team. The rotation doesn't have a single proven commodity. The bullpen doesn't have a single proven commodity. And I'm not saying that the Pirates don't have any talent. They've got some good young players. We're going to see a good prospect out of them this year, a shortstop named O'Neill Cruz, six foot seven shortstop, by the way. But they're awful. They're going to finish last, and they're probably going to be right around where they were last year, which was 61 wins. The next layer is the Reds and the Cubs. I'm not entirely sure which of these teams are worse. They're, they're, they're both going to be competitive at times. I think they'll both have periods where you're like, okay, they're not that bad. But then they're going to have others where, where they are. I've got, the, I've got the Cubs in fourth, but it's not by a lot. I think those two teams are going to be right there within a couple of games of each other this year, unless one of them just has a ridiculous number of injuries. But, you know, the middle of the Cubs order is Wilson Contreras, who probably will be traded by the end of the year, Ian Happ, and Frank Schwindel. That's the middle of their order. And look, Schwindel's shown some good power. You know, Patrick Wisdom's there. He showed power last year. We'll see how Seiya Suzuki adjusts to the major leagues. But there just isn't a ton there in terms of a big-time offensive production. The rotation is just okay. You know, Marcus Stroman was a nice signing, and it's good to have him for multiple years and all that, but the rest of the rotation is is eh, nothing special. And the bullpen is is unknown right now. They've got a few guys like Rowan Wick or David Robertson or Michael Givens who could all close. Again, none of them are great. All of them, according to fan graphs, projected to have ERAs above four, which is not ideal for relief pitchers. 
So I've got them fourth. I've got the Reds third. Um, I don't think either of these teams has very much wiggle room. And so, you know, I had the, 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 the Cubs last year were 71 wins. I think they're a little better than that this year. I think they get to 74-ish, 75. And that's where I think the Reds are going to be. They won 83 last year. They're giving games back this year. Um, I mean, we know what they traded away. They've already traded away their gold glove catcher. They traded away their best hitter. They traded away one of their best pitchers in Sonny Gray. I mean, they, they are a much thinner version this year of what they were last year. They don't have a proven closer. Um, you know, the closer that they have is a guy that's been a career minor leaguer who's who's 29 years old. He's got a big arm, Art Warren, but he's not a proven player. Joey Votto's a damn good hitter, and after that, they're still figuring it out. We know Tommy Pham can be good, but he's coming off a bad year. Nick Senzel's been a talented prospect forever, but he still hasn't learned to hit in the big leagues. What's he going to be? Well, not enough this year when I look at the Reds. So they and the Cubs are both going to be there to me in that 73-75 win range. And then you've got the Brewers and the Cardinals at the top. I was on a radio uh, show in Milwaukee today. A friend of mine, Bill Michaels, uh, does a good show up there. And and I joined him once in a while to talk about the division and the Cardinals specifically. And I'll say here what I said there. This is Milwaukee's division until somebody proves otherwise. The Brewers are good enough to get that deferential treatment coming into the year. They're not unbeatable. I think they have serious questions for their offense. I have serious questions about a lot of a lot of their defense. But they've got three guys that were all-star starting pitchers last year, and they've got a couple of quality guys behind them, and they've got a badass back of the bullpen, man. I mean, if they lead in the seventh inning, they're probably going to win. Now, like anybody else, injuries could change that. But with Hayter and Williams at the back end and Burns and Woodruff and Peralta at the front end, they're, they're the team to beat. They're not unbeatable because I don't think their lineup is particularly strong. I think they're going to have some issues if anybody gets hurt. But I also think, you know, defensively, their outfield in left and center probably isn't going to be very good. They're not a good defensive team at first base. They're pretty good at short and second. And I've already told you my thoughts on the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals and Brewers finish within two games of each other this year, one way or the other. So I will defer the defending division champions, say the Brewers first, the Cardinals second, both make the playoffs. We'll talk about those playoff looks next on KMOX.